Welcome to Kvetching on the Couch, a podcast where we host a weekly conversation about mental health topics through a Jewish lens. In today's episode, Classism in the Jewish Community, we will be kvetching about the role that class plays in our experience as Jews, positive and negative, individual and cultural. You also might notice that our co-host sounds a little bit different today. Carly has been kind enough to join us today to sub in for Lore, and I will give them the opportunity to introduce themselves in a moment. And we also have a friend joining us to chat about today's topic, and I'm very excited to introduce them to you all. As always, content warning, this topic may lend itself to some triggering information, so please be cognizant of your well-being and take a break if you need to. Please also remember that this podcast does not take the place of medical or mental health care from a clinician or provider and reach out to professionals if you need support. All right, let's roll that intro. say she pronouns and I'm an eating disorder and trauma therapist who specializes in the Jewish community and weight stigma. I have lived experience of an eating disorder and childhood trauma and do community advocacy work for the Jewish community and for fat positivity. Hi, I'm Carly. I use she or they pronouns. Um, I'm a Jewish therapist living in Southern California. I work with clients all over the state. Um, I work with queer clients and clients with alternative relationship styles like polyamory, um, other non-monogamy, um, any type of kind of different dynamic. I grew up in a really densely Jewish community, which I eventually kind of grew away from. And now as an adult, I have been kind of looking into what my relationship with more formal Jewish communities looks like today. Amazing. Thank you so much for that, Carly. And thank you for joining us today and for subbing in for Lore. Um, so let's dive into our conversation. Uh, when Laura and I do this, we like to kind of check in with each other, see how we're feeling. So how are you feeling today? You know, how has your week been? Anything you're looking forward to talking about? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I'm always a little anxious whenever I record anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, yeah, as we are, but otherwise I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm doing this before I start my work day. So it's kind of a nice, um, transition for me from kind of my slow morning into my afternoon and evening. Uh, how are you? I'm doing okay. Gosh, this is the start of your day. For for those listening, Carly is on the West Coast, so she is uh, three hours behind us. Uh, but still, starting at two o'clock, oh Lord, <laughs> yeah, wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also just do better in the afternoon and evening. I don't think anybody wants me doing therapy on them before like ten. <laughs> That's the earliest I ever have anything. <laughs> Got it. Um, but yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, it's been a very sort of whirlwindy kind of few weeks, very busy. Obviously, current events stuff is is just, I'm not even sure what word to put to it. Um, right. But, you know, I think overall, I, I'm personally doing okay. I think it's just a little hard to exist in the world right now. Um, but. Absolutely. So, um 
Before we uh, dive into maybe some of the things that uh, you and I want to talk about, Carly, and before we also get Leia on here, I did just want to share some submissions that came from my Instagram community on this, and then I figure that can kind of guide us into the the more general discussion. Um, Does that sound all right? Yeah, perfect. So um, a friend of mine, they'd like to remain anonymous, um, said they have two thoughts on this topic in particular of classism in the Jewish community. So her first thought is that so much of the model minority myth is that a large part of the community succeeds under white supremacy. Jews are interesting because a lot of things that make us successful in a capitalist society are actually things that our people came to through necessity, not because they were sought after at the time. For example, Hollywood in the 1900s and banking in the Middle Ages. Because these things eventually became successful and brought some Jews financial success and therefore proximity to whiteness. I think that proximity to whiteness leads to classism because it's part of the structure in which we live, which is based in white supremacy, which I think makes sense. Uh, our second point, um, I'm also reading a, uh, Here All Along by Sarah Hurwitz, which I really enjoy. And today I was reading about how Judaism differs from Christianity because we are not a religion that prioritizes restriction in the same way. It's very true. Uh, and that made me think that something that can be positive in our culture, like being a little more sex positive than Christianity, can also lead to things like classism because money can equal pleasure in our society, which is interesting. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. So this friend here brought up quite a lot. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on various parts of it, um, but definitely a lot of substance in there. Um The second share is from my friend Rory, uh, and she said, it's palpable. I used to feel ashamed to share pictures of my Shabbat table because it might not be, quote, nice enough. Um, Definitely something I understand. Uh, People get very extravagant with their Shabbat table sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then the third one, um, I didn't get a chance to ask this person how they wanted me to attribute this to them. So I'm just going to leave it anonymous just in case. Um, but they shared, you know, it's nice to see more temples, at least reform temples, doing away with membership dues, which I didn't know this was happening, but that's great. Um, but it's still weird when one of your classmates' last name is on all the rooms in the synagogue. Yeah. I, I didn't that know that is was weird. happening either. I didn't either, but I love that. Yeah, that's good to know. All right. And then the last thing I want to play before we um, invite or we get Leia on here is... Um, an audio uh, share. So let me just set that up really quickly. You should be able to hear it. Um, Hope voicemail is okay. Um, Basically we go to shul in Iowa city uh, and there is the university of Iowa. So a huge population of our um, congregation is professors or doctors um, or some combination of the two. Often when we're doing our little schmoozing, people will ask him, how's your semester going? Um, because he, you know, is um, uh, in his 20s and they just assume, you know, when we say that we moved to Iowa, um, you know, from the Seattle area, they just assume it's obviously for teaching or to become a doctor or do a residency. Um, they never ask me how about my profession. They just kind of assume his that assumption comes with a lot of class um, assumptions and, you know, educational privilege um, based on the way that we look and just kind of 
I feel like they just craft this whole story about how our life must be um, based on these very, like, simple basis. I think they make it really hard to access um, social spaces without the barriers of funds. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, if you can't afford a ticket, like, contact the office. Um, And I wish things were just a little bit more, like, with the assumption that you can't pay or that you'll pay what you can and to your own discretion versus, like, I feel like there's a lot of barrier and shame around if you have to actually be the person to reach out to the office and disclose your situation just to get access to a space. Yeah. Um, So that uh, was another friend of mine who I also think wanted to be anonymous, Um, but definitely touched on a number of things in there. Um, You know, cost being a barrier to entry, that's on our list of discussion topics for today. so with all of that in mind, uh, let's bring Leia on. I'm going to make you, a, a, I'm going to invite you to speak, Leia, and you can give yourself uh, or give everyone here an intro. Okay. Did that work? Um, That's good. Oh, cool. I hear you. Yes. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was having problems with my work Zoom earlier, so now I'm paranoid. Hi. Um, I am Leia Alana. Um uh my pronouns i guess are they she um i am a disabled writer um cosplayer (laughs) non-profit stuff um i work in the disability world a lot um I am autistic. I also have um, some physical disabilities. So a lot of what I do kind of intersects between disability advocacy and like what I fondly call my nerd shit. So yeah, um, <laughs> Love that. yeah that's kind of what's going on with me. I'm sorry. I like uh, was in meetings all day. So my brain was trying to find the right words and it was just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. I had sessions all day. I totally hear you. My brain's feeling fried. Um, but I think all of that definitely encapsulates you well. Just so the listeners know, myself and Carly and Leia have a pre-established relationship. We know each other. We're friends. So, you know, if we start saying things that you don't understand, that could be why. Um, but I think, you know, knowing you as I know you, that's a, it's a pretty apt, uh, introduction. Um, but so, yeah, you know, I know I saw your little bubble earlier, so I know you were hearing the earlier, um, parts of our conversation. Uh, did anything spark for you as you were listening to that? Um, is there anything kind of that you have already thought that you want to bring up, et cetera, et cetera? Something that I think about a lot when it comes to classism in the community is the intersection between disability and classism yeah. in, the, um, in the community. I mean, a lot of the work that I do currently professionally is about um, Jewish inclusion and disability. And I was actually shocked to learn how a lot of... Um, religious sites are exempt from the ADA and Mm. a lot of like shoals synagogues and stuff are not required to be accessible and that kind of blew my mind because I'm very lucky that my synagogue is a social justice synagogue so they make like a big deal out of being accessible but 
it made me think a lot about how whenever there's a conversation about classism, oftentimes the disability angle is left out of it. And I think people just don't consider it because they often don't, that how many disabled folks live in poverty because they're unemployed or underemployed. So not right. only can disabled Jews not access Shoal physically, they can't access Shoal financially because mm -hmm. of that intersection. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I feel like, a part of the conversation that doesn't really happen yeah. because people don't consider it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as a disabled Jew, um, how do you think that could or can or has affected, you know, people's mental health in the community, you know, not being able to have access, not feeling like things are, are available to you. It has definitely, just speaking from my own experience of the past two yeah. years, it does take a hit. Um, I used to be very active in my synagogue. I've been going to um, my shul since like 2017-ish, and I used mm. to be weekly at Shabbat. I was always there. I was you know, they showed up for my stepfather's shiva, things like that. Mm. And they always had a pay-as-you-can option that was very discreet. And, like, it wasn't one of those, as the other person mentioned, like, oh, go see the office. No. It's an option on the website where you just can click on it. You know, nobody needs to know. It gets mm. subsidized by the wealthier members. So mm. it is a little bit more discreet than other ones, and that's what I use. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, being isolated, being unable to go to events and stuff because I'm immune compromised does make me feel very disconnected from my Jewish community. And I think that yeah. a lot of other disabled Jews feel the same way. And having mm -hmm. those financial and physical barriers can impact you mentally because we are a community. We are a communal people. And right. I know... I'm very grateful for the Jewish spaces online, but going to Zoom Shabbat is not the same thing. And right. like, I don't know if anybody else has felt this way, but I feel kind of almost like less Jewish if I'm not mm. in a physical Jewish space. And mm -hmm. having those barriers of classism and ableism is not helping that, you know? Uh, I saw you nodding a lot. Did you have something that you resonated with? Yeah, well, I think I was I was also just thinking um, on top of the feeling less Jewish when you're not in a Jewish space. There's also the element of the. Am I allowed to swear on you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. So I was also just thinking about the bullshit that we have to deal with in the world as Jews and the difference it makes in dealing with it when you feel connected. And when you feel like you have a safe place, like physically and emotionally. And so mm -hmm. I, as we were thinking about, like, how does this impact mental health? I was just thinking about how it, it also takes away, like, a healing space in that right. way. Right. And then how does stress continue to impact mental health and continue to also impact disability while we're talking about ableism, right? Yeah. Um, and it just all compounds so much to kind of be a perfect storm for people to really struggle to really struggle with the mental health side of it. 
And I think if you bring up kind of that shame factor, which is sort of what I saw as like the running theme of a lot of the submissions you got, like Mm. that doesn't create that space for the Jewish community either. Like Mm. what Carly is describing, like how can you find that support if you feel like you don't really have anything to say because Mm. I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know, like, my in-laws are not Jewish, but they do have more money. And sometimes I feel so wildly uncomfortable coming from a working class background. And I realize that, like, this isn't a supportive space. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, well, what Jewish space do you go to? And that kind of creates another issue that comes up. And something that you just said, um, uh, Leia is about feeling uncomfortable being working class while being around those who are not working class, who are wealthier than you. Um, and that kind of leads us into sort of one thing that was touched on in one of the shares and something that's on our discussion theme list, which is the rich Jew trope and the way that that impacts us both in, in the form of like, um, well, so many different ways, obviously. I don't want to, like, lead the witness here. But um, I, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, if with that trope, um, you know, does it feel like there are barriers that come along with the fact that people just assume Jews are wealthy? Oh, no. You lost my... Oh, there she is. Or there they are. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I caught out the... Uh, I did not catch the last part of that, but I was getting the gist of what you were saying. (laughs) No worries. Yeah, kind of. I think that that also brings up, of course, like the the Jewish American princess sort of stereotype Mm. and like the whole kind of Jap thing, which I grew up in Southern California, where that Mm. was definitely a thing um, Mm. in some aspects of my city. And it creates a very uncomfortable sort of conversation in the not that uncomfortable conversations are bad but like Mm -hmm. where how do you fit in as a working class Jew and also kind of the negative stereotypes around that versus reclaiming that stereotype versus examining one's own privilege like Mm -hmm. there's a lot to unpack in that suitcase (laughs) (laughs) yeah no, there's definitely a lot. Um, but, you know, I, I know that Carly and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, if I recall, excuse me, if I recall, Carly, you once described uh, going to synagogue growing up as like a fashion show, like walking the <laughs> runway or whatever. Like, and, yeah. and that is sort of where my mind goes, because, you know, Carly and I have talked about how neither of us um, uh, are low class, lower class, we, we, you know, we weren't um, financially struggling growing up. We weren't the wealthiest in our communities, but we weren't by any means the poorest. Um, And so, you know, I think for me, uh, there was definitely this element of like, you have to show up in a certain way. And in order to show up in a certain way, you have to have access to certain resources, you know, like you have to be able to go buy the clothes and buy the makeup and buy the shoes. And like, obviously I'm talking from like a femme perspective here, but um, you know, I'm sure it's relevant for, for all genders really. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think there's often this, this, um, performance element to it. And I think sometimes sort of what, like what the anonymous sharer was saying is that like, it's a way to get closer to whiteness to sort of either be wealthy or perform wealth. And so it's like, it's like a shedding of that, um, oppression and, and, and really, which like, how can you shed that when it's like literally a part of your epigenetics? But I do think that is sometimes like the subconscious desire and like move there's also almost I have like a half formulated thought around this there's almost like its own lingua uh lingo and language around it i'm just mm. thinking of kind of like how the whole jewish camp experience is That's exactly. like a meme <laughs> yes. because i never went to jewish camp and you want to know like do you want to know a wild ass fun fact about me so um because my parent, because my mom could never afford to send me to sleepaway camp, she had a friend who was Christian um, lie and say I belonged to the church, and so I got sent to a Jesus sleepaway camp. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh wow! Because I was a little shit when I was ten years old, I told them I was an atheist, and it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> but like. So I, so whenever, like, people make all those, like, you know, jokes or they turn it into, like, a whole TikTok meme of, like, oh, yeah, when I went to, like, Jewish camp and stuff, I'm, like, can't relate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, the reason why I laughed so loudly uh, was because we actually, right before we hopped on, um, went through some discussion themes that we wanted to hit on today. And summer camp community is right there. Financial yeah. barrier entry. Because... <laughs> You know, I think probably technically maybe my family could have afforded it, um, but it, it for me, I was exempt from that community for, like, other reasons, mostly around social anxiety. But I would imagine that for other Jews who didn't have the opportunity to go to camp like that, that a lot of it is a financial barrier to entry. And we do talk about, especially as American Jews, I should say, we talk about, you know, the, the summer camp, Jewish camp community as, like, this what's the word, like intractable element of American Jewish identity. Like it's, it's important. <laughs> it's, it's, it's where like the Jewish geography jokes come from, I think. Um, and so it's like this big part of our culture, but that really only a certain subset of us have access to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I actually did go to a Jewish or no, I guess it wasn't formally a Jewish summer okay. camp, but <laughs> it was a summer camp where there were enough Jews there that there was like, you could put part of your schedule as bar mit bat mitzvah study. Um, oh. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So it was like not Jewish, but it was like Jewish. Um, and I actually had a horrible time. And so I like, I sometimes see all of the memes around it and I'm like, uh, first of all, I'm like, you guys were all the ones bullying me. <laughs> and second of all, I'm like, it also it it like also has ele an element of like there's a level of competition at those camps. Yeah, um, who has the coolest stuff? Um, like whose bunk is the coolest? Who has like the best supplies for this thing? Who has like the cutest camp clothes? Right, like yeah. so even when you're in the mix, it's like there's that there's like in even within that bubble, there is like there's a level of competition of and classism. Yeah. And so it was always interesting, right? There was always a big rush 
like at the end of school before camp started for everybody to go like buy all of their stuff. Mm, um, and it was always, yes. And it was a really interesting thing to see kind of some people had new stuff every single year. Right. And some people had new, like had, you know, stuff when they started that came with them through the whole thing. And it was just like the way, the way those differences show up even within that set is like a little bizarre. Were y'all old enough for like the fucking juicy couture sweatsuit situation? Because I don't know if it was just like my autism, but again, like, the disability and classism thing, I just thought that if I could dress like one of those Juicy Couture Abercrombie girls, I would be less bullied for being a little autistic weirdo. And the truth was, that wasn't going to happen. And also the truth was, I was making my own alternative Japanese fashion by hand at the age of 15. So I was never going to be a Juicy Couture sweatshirt girl. But, like, (laughs) good point too like just about how important feeling a part of the group is right to our mental health because again this is a podcast about jewish mental health right and we talked about how previously about how not having access to a physical space is going to you know negatively impact our mental health but also feeling like you can't be a member of the in group even within your own very tiny little in group because you don't have the right clothes, the juicy couture sweats, the, you know, whatever it is that they're, it's like, we're such a small percentage of people. And like, we are often hurt by those around us because we're thought of as different. So like, you would think that as a community, we would embrace difference rather than reinforce this hierarchical bullshit. But again, I think it's like trying to, to adhere to whiteness a little bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's trying to adhere to whiteness. And then there's like a alongside that a level of like trauma response. Oh, yeah. What if something happens? And what if we need to just pick up and leave? Yeah. Um, And I think that that like lives very strongly in a lot of in a lot of Jewish people, especially people with kids, um, which I can't relate to that piece of it. But I, you know, I think especially people with families where they're like, what happens if I need to take my whole family out of here? Um, and so I think that, but I also think that there's a lot of shame around Jewish trauma. And so we don't talk about it in that way. We don't talk about it yes. overtly. We bury it under whatever we can kind of squeeze it into. Um, well, and that reminds me too, right? The rich Jew trope is connected to the stingy Jew, right? And what you just said, Carly, is like, let's think about, you know, how that plays out. Like a a father, for example, being really scared that he can't make enough money to support his family or he needs to make enough money to flee, right? There's a level of trauma that makes money just because we need money in, in cases of horrible shit. Like, I think there's a certain acuity around the anxiety that the Jewish community feels when we feel strapped basically. Um, And, you know, I could see how an outsider could see that anxiety as quote unquote stingy, right? But in actuality, it's a trauma response and it's an appropriate trauma response, I think, uh, you know, to, to our history. Well, and there's also the level of like Jews being called stingy and non-Jews being called frugal. 
right? Like, you know what I mean? The same behavior gets kind of spun spun in a different way, depending on who's doing it. Huge double standard. Um, The last thing I wanted to touch on um, is we, we wrote down birthright. Free trip, but controversial. (laughs) I wanted to just dig into that really fast. Um, You know, when we brought it up, what we were thinking is that obviously going to Israel is controversial. Going on birthright in particular is controversial because Palestinians don't have the right return. Palestinians don't have, you know, these sort of programs to bring um, people back to the land, right? Um, And at the same time, if you come from a low-income background, it's possible that the only way you could ever get to see Israel would be through birthright because of the um, fact that it, it's a fund, a fully funded trip. Um, so, yeah, I guess any thoughts on that and the complicatedness of it? And yeah, I was actually just thinking about that because so <laughs> I was having a little bit of FOMO because it seems like everybody's fucking going to Israel and I really want to <laughs> go and I obviously cannot afford to go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I was looking at birthright because I'm in like kind of the last age group of it, kind of the later twenties, uh-huh. early 30 part. And I realized, like I started to sign up, I started the application thing and I had this moment where I realized I wouldn't be able to do it, um, because of my disability. Right. I know that birthright does have disability trips, however, allow me to get like a little bit I'm not gonna get too gross on here but um I have uh I my doctor suspects I have hypermobile uh Ehlers-Danlos which for anybody listening if you happen to be of Ajakanazi Jewish background and are neurodivergent ADHD autism you mm-hmm. should get checked and make sure that you don't have hypermobile EDS because apparently mm-hmm. those two things are very common yes. so anyway um, I realized I would not be able to travel simply for the fact that um, my joints keep popping out and the only mm. person I trust to shove my hip back into place is my future wife, who is not Jewish. Mm. So um, I don't trust some random, like, hot-ass, like, IDF guy to put my hip back into place. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't, um, yeah, I don't yeah. trust like that. But anyway... Um, it did have me thinking about like how badly I want to go to Israel, but the double-sided coin of birthright is often the only option for poor people like me. And there are those issues coming up of like, I don't agree with all of the things behind birthrights message. I don't fully agree with um, how they kind of only offer a certain viewpoint around Israel. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I am not fully on board with that. Yeah. And I also don't agree with the idea that were I to go on a birthright trip, I would have to constantly defend my choice to do so. Right. Yeah. I feel like that is unfair too. Like that is also yeah. put on me as a poor person right. that while any Jew is of course forced to unfortunately defend if they go to Israel, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. people on birthright especially do. And I think that people don't check the classism in that conversation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Like, if you want to have a conversation about alternatives to birthright, that's great. 
but I would like a practical solution for Jewish people who cannot afford other options. Like yeah. conversations are great, but again, I'm a solution person. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, if you want to come into my DMs with some bullshit, then <laughs> I expect you to have a solution for yeah. poor disabled Jews who can't otherwise see Israel. Like, right. Well, I mean, and some people might say, "Well, you have no right to see Israel. It's not your land." Blah 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 blah. Right. Which again, kind of gets us into the mental health side of things. You know, I, I think. I have been to Israel. Um, Carly, you have as well? Yeah. Yes. And I don't know about you, but when I was there, I felt it. Like, I felt it in my body that I was there. And I think there's a level of, of healing and a level of access to, like, ancestral resiliency that we can't access elsewhere, truly. Um, and I guess that's, like, a personal opinion. But um, in any case... Um, any other thoughts from you, Leia, Carly, uh, before Leia hops off? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now you put me on the spot like that, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just didn't want to, like, throw you off without giving you a second to, you know, have your last word, you know? No, no. Um, I am grateful for the conversation, though, because I'm always happy to talk about yeah in the community yeah and i thank you oh i just wanted to say thanks for um kind of bringing the like ableism conversation into it because that is such a close like such a close intersection yeah yeah and thank you also you know for coming on because like i said carly and i don't have lived experience of lower socioeconomic class and so we i felt it was very important i don't want to speak for carly but i think carly also feels it's important um that these conversations are always led with lived experience and so it was really important for us to have you on so thank you so much for everything you've contributed um and uh for those of you listening uh leo do you want to let them know where they can find your work and follow you and keep up with you yeah um so you can find my instagram um my Instagram is Gaby underscore Yoda, like Baby Yoda, but gay. Um, <laughs> Love it. I, I am proud of that pun, so I can't change it now. Um, <laughs> so if you like, you know, disability shit, chronic illness shit, um, arcane brain rot, cosplay stuff. Yeah. Got you. <laughs> okay. Really um, but thanks so much, guys. It was, yeah. it was a blast. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. On here. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice just to, you know, come on and and chat with people who, you know, have have experience in these areas and and can speak to it. Um, You know, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, all the three of us are friendly outside of this space. And so it kind of feels a little bit like an extension of that which is always really nice but um yeah so um did anything come up for you carly as we were chatting anything that you know sort of didn't touch on um before that you wanted to cover and i feel like i talked a lot so (laughs) um i feel like we covered a lot of it i think that i think that one of the biggest things is and i think this is almost like too much to even get into properly Mm. but almost just like how can people like you and I who maybe aren't having this issue yeah like continue to keep this in the forefront of people's minds right because it's not it shouldn't be 
people's jobs who are actively dealing with this, right? Particularly um, as we were talking about kind of that intersection of disability too, like, right, like we should be figuring out ways to take this on more. And I think, um, you know, part of that is like, what can we be saying in the communities that we're a part of? Um, So I'm kind of just putting that on the table for anyone to reflect on a little bit. Well, I think that's actually a really great place to wrap up because I think that that is a really good reflection question to end with. You know, how do those of us with more socioeconomic privilege make sure that those without are welcome or or feel welcome? Um, And that doesn't mean taking it upon ourselves to come up with solutions. It means actively collaborating with people who have this experience, who know what they need from us. Um, and, you know, being actionable about that. Uh, so thank you so much for naming that, Carly. I think that's really, really important and a, a good place to close out. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today on Confessing on the Couch. As a reminder, we use this space to talk about difficult topics. And so it is of the utmost importance that you do at least one thing to take care of yourself today, if not many more. Definitely do some deep breathing. Definitely do some stretching. Get some fresh air. As always, we hope this conversation was at the very least validating for those of you listening. Next week, I'm very excited to share that we have a special episode coming live from Tel Aviv. Specific time and day will be announced as we get closer. We just have to figure out where we're going to be and when we can do it. Uh, And as always, tonight's episode will be posted shortly on the show page after it's edited. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at badashtherapy and on my website at ashleyhamsuria.com. And you can find Carly at? Um, On Instagram, you can find me at goddess of stuff and things. I know it's a mouthful. Um, And you can also check out my blog. It's been a little bit inactive lately, but I think there's some good stuff on there at balancewithoutscales.blog. And a big thank you to January Sunshine for all the music provided in this episode. And the biggest of thank yous to Carly and to Leah uh, for joining us today. And we'll play our little outro and say goodnight. All righty. I love the jingles, by the way. Thank you. Good night, everybody. All right. Talk to you soon.